Joe Biden is buying votes with Republican money. Mr. Reagan. Two stories which might seem unrelated at first glance, I believe, are part of a massive plan to shift wealth from Republican voters to Democrat voters. This is a massive bribe, the biggest voter bribe in American history. So you've heard that Biden is going to pay $10,000 off of student loan debt. Most people think that this will disproportionately help young Democrat voters with useless degrees and is thus a massive bribe. Vote for Democrats and we will give you money. This is election vote buying. That's all this really is. Trying to bolster up, I guess, Biden's sagging numbers, Democratic Party sagging numbers on young people. Now, this has been the thinking behind a lot of welfare and social programs over the years, but now it's getting ridiculous. Most college kids don't need their debts paid off, especially when you compare their needs to that of a lot of other Americans. And so, again, this just seems like a massive voter bribe. Now, there's another story floating around you've probably heard. The 87,000 new IRS agents that are being hired in order to, I don't know, it's not entirely clear. According to Time Magazine, the 87,000 new agents don't really exist because they're going to be phased in over 10 years and they're not all going to be given vests and guns and sent to knock on your door at 2 o'clock in the morning and demand that you pay your taxes. Some apparently will work in IT. And so because of this, according to Time Magazine, they don't actually exist. You know the left, they love their mental gymnastics, but they will exist. And the question is, what are they being hired to do exactly? Conservatives are suspicious and appears they have every reason to be because it looks like they are being hired specifically to go after conservatives. The Biden administration is once again weaponizing the IRS against conservative voters. How do we know this? Well, an article in Gateway Pundit has revealed that this woman has been chosen to oversee most of the new 87,000 IRS agents. Her name is Nicole Flax. Nicole Flax was the chief of staff to former IRS commissioner Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller, who was fired in the wake of the Lois Lerner IRS scandal. Today, Secretary Liu took the first step by requesting and accepting the resignation of the acting commissioner of the IRS. Now that in itself is not incriminating. She was his chief of staff. Okay, so she was probably involved, but we can't know that for sure, except... She was one of just six IRS employees whose emails mysteriously disappeared during that Lois Lerner IRS scandal. Now, if you don't remember the Lois Lerner IRS scandal, that was when the IRS under Barack Obama explicitly targeted conservative nonprofits to reject or delay their tax-exempt status. The goal, it seemed, was not actually to take money from them, but just to shut down these conservative groups. As executive director of the Richmond, Virginia Tea Party, Lawrence Nordvig says he's believed for two years the Tea Party has been subjected to a political investigation. The IRS has asked him for an estimated 500 pages of documents. This year, the IRS demanded more, all his communications, and the name of every donor. It got creepy, to be honest with you. They were trying to really ferret out exactly who we are, who we know, and the kind of questions that you know a secret police might ask. This is clearly an overreach of government. Since the Supreme Court Citizens United ruling that allowed unlimited campaign contributions, hundreds of political groups have applied to be tax-exempt organizations called 501c4s. That designation allows them not to disclose their donors, but requires that politics cannot be the group's primary activity. Despite that, last year, groups opposed to the president and groups favoring the president both used the C4 status to raise funds and air TV ads. 
The IRS has apologized for targeting the Tea Party. The IRS also faces serious questions how it came to choose all of these groups. Why did it target these groups for investigations? We know that the agents used computerized search terms that included the Tea Party. But, Scott, some of the other search terms they used included, quote, the education of the public and any group that, quote, criticized how the country was being run. We're going to find that the, that the IRS targeted conservative political groups, not liberal groups, and that they targeted specific individuals, and they had outrageous requirements. Uh, uh, Iowa Right to Life had to submit their prayers, and this is just ridiculous. This is, a, this is worthy of a third world country, oh, not the United States. But now we're seeing that it's, that it's wider than this. We already have a group, Z Street, which was a pro-Israeli group, which says it was targeted explicitly because it had opposed settlements on the West Bank, which was, of course, different than the Obama administration policy. These groups, 501c4 groups, have been active for years on the Democratic side, on the liberal side, and there have been no criticism. The inspector general said there was no politics involved in this. So this was not a political pursuit. Bo baloney. This, no, not baloney. baloney, Carl. Well, if it was not political, then why are only conservative groups being targeted? As I said, these groups were non-profit organizations. But by targeting these groups, they could delay or even deny their tax-exempt status. Many of these organizations were harassed. Let's look at one of the Tea Party groups in my community. The founder, a small businesswoman, originally filed for tax-exempt status in July of 2010. Beginning in December 2010, she was visited by the FBI Domestic Terrorism Unit. Her personal returns and her business returns were both audited by the IRS. She received four FBI inquiries. In her business, received unsolicited audits, unscheduled audits by OSHA, Commissioner on Environmental Quality, and the ATF twice. Now, this is a citizen and a small businesswoman who had never been audited by the IRS or any of these agencies until she applied to you for tax-exempt status for her Tea Party. Is this still America? Many of the names of the donors to these organizations were illegally exposed. When our donors were disclosed, a number of them called us expressing concern about that. The effort seems to have been designed to subject our donors to abuse, to intimidation, to hold them accountable for donating in support of the cause of traditional marriage, to boycott their businesses, to target their families, and more significantly for our purposes, to chill them from donating again so we can keep up the political fight that we're in the middle of. And without the nonprofit status that they were seeking, many of these organizations would naturally find it much more difficult to raise money and ultimately could not operate. And this led to some Tea Party groups just shutting down. They wanted copies of every flyer, brochure, banner, newsletter, anything you've ever published or distributed. We were targeted as part of the wider, you know, slowdown and harassment of the, the Tea Party 912 organizations simply by the time that it took, if nothing else. These questions and a two-year delay are why group president Kevin McCarney says the group gave up and is starting over, applying for tax-exempt status with a new name, Freedom Colorado. And that was the goal, to shut these groups down. The truth is that this kind of weaponization of the IRS was such a vicious attack on democracy that everybody involved should be in prison right now. But it was the Obama DOJ investigating the Obama IRS, so no criminal investigation was ever pursued. The Justice Department says it will not reconsider prosecuting former IRS official Lois Lerner. No surprise there. The point is that one of the IRS employees involved in this scandal, Nicole Flax, she is now heading up the so-called centralized office. The centralized office, apparently, will oversee these new 87,000 IRS agents.
So it seems pretty clear that these agents are being recruited for one reason and one reason only, to once again go after conservatives. This time, perhaps, it will not just be to silence conservatives, but rather to audit them and basically raid our bank accounts. And when you put this new IRS army together with the ridiculous redistribution of wealth going on with these student loans, well, it starts to make a lot of sense. We've been asking how the Biden administration plans to pay for the trillion-dollar handout to college graduates, and I think we have our answer. They plan to take it from Republican voters. You vote Democrat? Awesome. We'll pay off your student loans. You vote Republican? Awesome. We're going to take all of your money and use it to pay off the student loans of Democrat voters. Of course, college grads aren't the only ones getting a handout from the Democrat Congress and the Biden administration. All of Pelosi's rich friends are getting handouts. The military needs new equipment because we gave all of our old stuff to the Taliban. We need to keep sending billions of dollars to Ukraine so the oligarchs can steal it and probably shuffle a few million to Hunter Biden's bank accounts. Oh, and we need to send trillions to China for solar panels and wind turbines. And again, a bit of that will surely be rerouted back into Hunter Biden's bank account somewhere, or perhaps an account belonging to Nancy Pelosi's kid. Who am I kidding? Money will be flowing to both of these guys. The point is that the friends, campaign donors, and hostile foreign governments willing to pay kickbacks are all getting paid off by Democrats using American tax dollars, and the Democrats want to ensure that the majority of those tax dollars come from Republicans. Now, I've always said that I don't mind massive government programs, bloated congressional bills filled with pork, payoffs to Democrat donors and Democrat social programs, but if you vote for it, you pay for it. We pay for it like the bill at a restaurant. We go down the list and we check off all the things that the Democrat politicians bought. And the Democrat taxpayers pay for that stuff. And then we go down the list again and we check off all the things that the Republican politicians bought. And the Republican taxpayers well, we pay for that stuff. And I think in order to save their voters some money, I think we're going to see a lot less pork and a lot less money going to special interest groups if we implement this restaurant bill divvying up strategy. Either that or no one will ever vote Democrat ever again. So I say, let's do it. Okay, obviously that stuff's not going to happen, but all joking aside, I do have some hope with regard to this Nicole Flax, 87,000 IRS agents and all the money going to student loans and all that. Some of you out there are justifiably pessimistic and you think that Democrats will cheat in the 2022 midterm elections and hold on to the Senate, if not both houses of Congress. Well, I am not so pessimistic. In fact, I am pretty convinced that Republicans are going to trounce Democrats in the midterms, and I think that we are poised to take both houses of Congress. Now, after we gain control of Congress, I'm not sure what exactly the Republicans will be able to do in terms of canceling all of the insane spending bills that Biden has already signed into law. I'm not an expert in that stuff, and I don't know if they can defund it all. I certainly hope that they can find a way to do it. Ideally, and this is, of course, a crazy pipe dream and another fantasy, but ideally they would elect Trump Speaker of the House, third in the presidential line of succession, and then immediately impeach and remove Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But of course, that is just a little daydream of mine. We both know that's not going to happen. So we may have to wait until 2024 to really kill all of the crazy leftist spending that is currently destroying our country. And we may also have to wait until 2024 to end this absurd Democrat targeting of conservatives by the DOJ and the FBI and the IRS and the CDC and like every other federal agency. You know, Democrats are proving every day that they have no actual integrity. They follow no rules of decorum. They have no decency. They have no code of ethics. All they care about is money 
and power, and they will break any laws, act in any corrupt way that they think that they can get away with if it means winning elections and staying in power. And buying votes is one of the best ways to do that. It's illegal, of course, but buying votes has always been the Democrat strategy, as far as I can tell. William Boss Tweed, a Democrat, House Representative from 1853 to 1855, provided financial aid to constituents and business partners in return for votes. I'll negotiate a handsome fee for every Irish vote you send Tammany's way in the coming elections. Huey Kingfish Long, Democrat, governor of Louisiana from 1928 to 1932. To pass his huge public works program, he made threats and bought votes. Congress sought to impeach him on charges of corruption, bribery, and gross misconduct. Led by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who expands the role of the federal government. Many African-American voters switched to the Democratic Party because of Roosevelt's policies. In the mid-1960s, Lyndon Johnson passes civil rights legislation as well as more government social programs. The most recent Democratic president, Barack Obama, is the first African-American president, and he expanded the government's role in health care. Remember the first rule of politics. The ballots don't make the results. The counters make the results. The counters keep counting. Now, I will say that I am taking a very different line than most Republicans on this student loan payout by Biden. A lot of people are focused on the unfairness. It's not fair, they say. It's not fair that folks who paid off their student loans don't get any money. But people who couldn't pay off their loans do get this handout. And yeah, that is unfair. But I honestly don't really care about that. The problem isn't that it's unfair. Life is unfair. Lots of good people have bad luck. Lots of bad people have good luck. And that's life. The government really shouldn't be in the business of trying to counterbalance the luck of people in the world. Of course, that's basically the entire political philosophy of the Democrat Party at this point. Equity, right? But this isn't a winning argument. There are lots of things that the federal government does that is far less fair than these loans. Why the hell did Trump give $250 million per year to historically black colleges like do those schools really deserve that money? Is that fair? No, of course not. The government really should not be giving universities money at all. I mean, I guess if they need research done for a certain thing, you know, okay. But not just let's give them money because they're black, but that's what government does. Government is stupid. That's why we need government to be small. Anyway, the argument that we should be making about this loan forgiveness garbage, the argument that I'm making is yes, some people get useless degrees. Their diplomas are worthless. You paid $100,000 or whatever for a worthless piece of paper. I have sympathy for this. I feel bad for these people. You know, when these kids sign the loan to go to college, they're what, 17 years old? Most 17-year-olds are morons. Do we really think it's good political strategy to say, you signed up for this con, and you know, therefore it's your fault that you were conned. You're blaming the victim. I mean, these kids are victims. Now that said, it's not the American taxpayers that should be bailing them out. It's the corrupt universities. The universities are the con men, the students are the victims, and now the American taxpayers are rewarding the universities by bailing out the victims. Well, screw that. Instead of giving the students money, we should be giving the students advice. Here's my advice. If you've got a useless degree, if your university taught you nothing, if your diploma is worthless, sue the university. 
we should be making this super easy. Maybe the government should conduct an investigation. Maybe there should be a hotline where the government connects you to an appropriate lawyer. Maybe a few class action suits can be filed. Were you the victim of a woman's studies degree? Call the partners at Cohen, Cohen & Cohen today and get your tuition money back, plus a little extra for punitive damages. Boom, America's student debt crisis fixed. Will some universities go bankrupt? Yes, as they should. You should not be able to defraud innocent 17-year-old kids with ignorant parents by promising a valuable college degree and then selling them four years of bullshit. Sorry, not sorry. If you do that, you deserve to go bankrupt. Long story short, Democrats are douchebags and they're trying to buy votes as usual, but this time with Republican money. And this should be a reminder to all of us that we should never underestimate Democrats. Yeah, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and AOC are all idiots, but there are some sinister Democrats that are kind of evil geniuses. After all, I'm pretty sure that the head of the Democrat Party is Satan. <laughs> well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war, and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Whenever you refer to me, even if I'm 10,000 miles away, you must abandon the rules of grammar and parrot whatever gibberish I assign to you. That's not only absurd, it's arrogant in the extreme. Okay, the trans agenda has infiltrated our society largely through language, and I don't mean that the gender ideologues use language to make compelling arguments. Not at all. Rather, they manipulate language itself. They make it into their pet. They talk about preferred pronouns, but a pronoun is a grammatical construct. It has to be deployed according to the laws of grammar, not the fickle whims of the individual to whom it refers. You know, if I'm, if I'm standing on this stage and you want to communicate to somebody else about the fact that I am standing on this stage, you will say, he is standing on that stage. It would be grammatically and factually incorrect incorrect, excuse me, to say she is standing on that stage as she denotes a human female, which I am not. It would be incorrect to say they are standing on the stage as that indicates more than one person on the stage, which there is not. It would be incorrect to say Z or Zer is standing on the stage as that would seem to suggest that there's some sort of space alien on the stage, which <laughs> as far as you know, I am not. In a similar way, if I'm standing on a stage and I insist that my preferred preposition is off, it would make no sense for you to respect my preferences and tell everybody that I'm standing off the stage. Now, I may prefer the word off. I may think that I am off the stage. I may identify as somebody who's standing off the stage. But that doesn't change the objective fact that I am indeed on the stage. Prepositions, nouns, and pronouns, and verbs, I mean, unless they're used in a fictional story or poem or something, are usually meant to convey objective facts about reality. If they're not going to perform that function, then they no longer perform any function at all, and meaningful, useful words have been reduced to impotent nonsense. But shouldn't we just be polite and call people by their preferred pronouns anyway? 
because it's the nice thing to do. Well, answer no, and here's why. First, you don't generally call somebody a pronoun when you're speaking to them. If you want to address a person directly, you just use his or her name. And a name can be whatever you want it to be. I mean, if a woman says her name is Fred or a man says his name is Sally, I'll call her Fred and him Sally because names are, by definition, personal, basically arbitrary. Pronouns are objective and also generally more distant. You're usually called by a pronoun when you're not physically present for the discussion. So when somebody insists on a preferred pronoun, he's trying to prevent you from using proper grammar even when he's not in the room with you. He's saying, whenever you refer to me, even if I'm 10,000 miles away, you must abandon the rules of grammar and parrot whatever gibberish I assign to you. That's not only absurd, it's arrogant in the extreme. He's trying to control what you say about him when he's not even in the room. That's not how language work, that works. That's not how grammar works. That's not how life works. It's not my job to enforce your self-perception. So you might see yourself as a woman, but that's not how I see you. And that's not what you actually are. And so I can't be required to affirm what I don't believe and what I know to be untrue. And further, it's not my job to adopt your perception of yourself. How crazy is it that, that this is what people think and that, we, that so many people just accept it? You know, um, as I explained on Dr. Phil, I might perceive myself as handsome and brilliant. Please don't laugh at that. But I said, please don't laugh. <laughs> but I can't require that everybody who speaks about me also have that same perception. I can't say to you, well, I see myself this way, and so you have to see me that way. Again, that's just simply not how it works. My self-perception is not a project that the whole world has to take on. Mark Zuckerberg was on Joe Rogan's podcast yesterday where he revealed that the FBI reached out to Facebook to give them a heads up to be ready to censor some major Russian disinformation that was about to be posted, referring to Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails, which were all real, of course, showing that Hunter and old Joe were colluding to cash in on their corrupt dealings in Ukraine and in China. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New yeah, York we Post. Yeah, we too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically the background here is the FBI, I think basically came to us, uh, some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was, the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. The distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when you um, say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. I love his Orwellian explanation for how they didn't censor the story like Twitter did. 
you were allowed to post a link on your Facebook page and it might show up in the feeds of two or three of the people who follow you. And if one of them wanted to share it, they could click the share button and it might show up in another two or three people's feeds because, well, as he admitted, they suppressed it by using their algorithms. Of course, they don't just do this with specific links to stories that they're trying to suppress. They also do it with general posts that contain only text about stories or ideas that they're trying to suppress. I have, I guess, what you would call a professional Facebook page for businesses and public figures, and it has an analytics section which shows how many impressions each post gets and how many engagements, comments, and how many shares. And I can always tell when a post has been suppressed because it drops way down below the average engagement. Like this one from yesterday, highlighting how NBC News had to issue a correction after they blamed a white police officer for pulling a gun on a black woman when it turned out that the officer was actually half black himself. The media keeps trying to blame white people for all of the problems in America, but they keep stumbling over their fake news when the facts come out, so those have to be suppressed. And I don't know if you noticed this, but the liberal media rarely, if ever, capitalizes the word white when talking about white people. But ever since the George Floyd riots of 2020, they made it a point to capitalize the B in black people. During his interview with Joe Rogan, Mark Zuckerberg touted Facebook's independent third-party fact-checkers who decided that the Hunter Biden laptop story was supposedly fake news when, of course, it was real because we know how fraudulent the fact-checkers are. I did a whole video titled Fact-Checking the Fact-Checkers, in case you missed it, and my favorite fact check was when Facebook claimed that I posted fake news for pointing out the obvious that there was no social distancing at the funeral for Congressman John Lewis in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Actually, this one's probably better when the all-knowing fact checkers declared that CNN had not doctored the video of Joe Rogan in order to make him look more sickly when he announced that he had come down with the coronavirus. There was no evidence that any manipulation was done to the video that Joe had uploaded on Instagram whatsoever. And let's not forget that the deep state intelligence operatives, the heads of the alphabet agencies, the CIA, NSA, FBI, all lied about the Hunter Biden laptop story, claiming that it was Russian disinformation when in fact, they were the ones spreading the disinformation. Meanwhile, the only thing that CNN or MSNBC talk about, anytime I turn on either of those channels, no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, day or night, is the FBI raid on President Trump's home where they had to go and rescue the supposed nuclear secrets that he stole. And many of you have asked, and thankfully they're finally here. So order your nuclear MAGA shirt from my online store, markdice.com, or click the link in the description below. Like all of my designs, they're available in a t-shirt, long sleeve, and a hoodie, and a whole bunch of different colors as well. So head on over to markdice.com or click the link in the description below and check them out. Tactical nuclear weapons that somebody was planning to sell to oh, some nasty people around the world. That's Joe Brandon, I agree. Hello, this is Rudy Giuliani, and I'm back with another episode of Rudy's Common Sense. And today's episode is taking place just as... Uh, the FBI and, and the Justice Department <laughs> has released 
I'm not even sure I should call it the redacted version of the affidavit. We were lucky to get the title page. But in any event, I have a wonderful guest today, a great man, a great patriot. One of the main reasons Donald Trump became president of the United States. <laughs> One of the main reasons he should have been president of the United States again. And probably the person who I believe, and this is my personal opinion, so nobody can fight with me. I believe that he understands the Donald Trump base and the Donald Trump revolution, which is going to carry on for as long as the Reagan or the Roosevelt revolution. I believe he understands it better than anyone. Uh, but that's my opinion. And I, of course, it's shared by many. And then there are always other people that have a different opinion. But the first thing I want to ask him is, uh, when I saw the uh, the information today about Zuckerberg and his admission that he received calls from the White House, uh, basically pushing him in the direction of the massive censorship in 2020 of the hard drive that Steve and I and several others were trying to get out, it said to me, this is, this is all the government action that they've been talking about uh, prevents this from being a violation of the First Amendment. You know, when you say these people censor, nobody disagrees they censor. We all know they censor. The answer is, does it violate the First Amendment? Well, it's not government action, say the lefty communists. Well, the fact is, when the government is involved as an agent in any way at all, all of a sudden it becomes government action. That's been the law of the United States for 100 years. Well, they just blew it. I mean, they just admitted it. Of course, Steve and I always knew this. Steve, what did you think of today's revelations about Zuckerberg? And of course, they aren't today's. This is, it seems to me this has been known for some time, hasn't it? Well, I don't think it was known at this level. And quite frankly, I think it was a shocking admission by Zuckerberg on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. Uh, Rudy, look, the nation, I don't think, fully understands the heroism of yourself and Bob Costello and Bernie Carrick and, and the guys around you. Yeah, Steve, Steve Bannon, too. Of which I was a, a small part. No, no, no. no. Um, to, to, to release the uh, to release the tapes, to release the, the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, and you see right here where you had Zuckerberg. Remember, he was approached by the FBI, according to him. The FBI went out of their way to suppress this, and now we know from Grassley that they actually approached the Senate, had a briefing in August of 2020, where they said it was Russian disinformation. The FBI knowingly lied to Zuckerberg, knowingly lied to the Senate, knowingly tried to suppress this. Uh, they had this hard drive. They had this laptop from December of 2019. They had it almost for nine months. You, you and I and other members of the team were able to ascertain relatively quickly that this was not Russian disinformation. This oh, was actually fact. Yeah, absolutely. And we were able to confirm it. We were able to confirm it on the, with the. Uh, with people that know the Chinese Communist Party very well and the documentation. And so, no, this shows you. I think Breitbart had a poll the other day, referred a poll, 79% of voters would have changed their vote on Biden if they had known the level of the content of the laptop from hell they know today. So this is a, a massive revelation, and it's going to change. I think it's going to be one of the main articles of impeachment of Joe well, Biden. Well, it should be. I mean, because... It's almost like, uh, I guess in the law we call it surplusage or uh, redundancy to argue that it was stolen at the ballot box. It was stolen before we got to the ballot box. This was as big a fraud as the election fraud. To withhold 
there's probably never been more relevant information about a presidential election, right? By the way, it's not the, it's not the Hunter Biden perversion and sexual proclivities and all the perversions, uh, quite frankly, with his family members. Let's be brutally frank about it. Uh, it's not that as bad as that is. It is the direct compromise of the guy running for president, Joe Biden, and the Biden crime family, Biden's brothers and others, direct compromise with senior level officials and senior level intelligence assets. And as they, as Hunter Biden himself says, one of the senior spies in the Chinese Communist Party, it's all there. This is about the compromise. You had a compromised Manchurian wow. candidate running that the American people had to know. American people deserve to know what the information is. I got to tell you, I believe you're going to see at least a dozen FBI officials, including Ray, go to prison over this. This is treason. This is nothing short of treason. They knew exactly what these documents were. They knew exactly who the Chinese Communist Party members were. They knew exactly how the Bidens had been compromised financially. Right? Had nothing to do with Hunter's drug problem, his his sexual depravity, none of that. This had 100% that our existential threat to our nation it, it had compromised a political candidate, and the American people deserve to know that information on in a timely basis. The agents that suppressed this, this had to go all the way up to the top. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to be, I thought the invasion of the southern border was always going to be the first article of impeachment. I may be now uh, convinced that it's going to be this, but it, I predict now you're going to see a dozen FBI officials go to jail over what we've just learned in the last 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, what, once once you look at the hard drive uh, calmly with a little period of time to analyze it, uh, the crimes that emerge from it, from the point of view of having been a professional prosecutor, are extraordinary. And the level of proof, Steve, is extraordinary. You don't get proof like that in the normal cases that are being tried in federal court right now. You don't get a son saying, for 30 years, I gave my father 30% of my income and I paid for all the expenses of the family. And then, of course, all that income is tied up with buying his influence. So it answers the question that perennially was asked, why would anybody give money to Hunter Biden? Hunter tells you to bribe his, his father. Then you find $31 million coming from our biggest enemy, China. I don't think you'd even have to prove that was for in a prior era to impeach a president. Someone raised this question to me a long time back and when we were trying to get it out. They said, what if Kennedy or Reagan during that long Cold War got even a million dollars from Russia that they couldn't explain or wouldn't explain? Would they have been impeached even by their own party? I said, you're damn right they would have been. Don't you think? Rudy, look, your expertise, not just as being one of the storied prosecutors in the history of American law and, 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 and the Justice Department and putting away the five families, the mafia in New York, putting away Mike Milken and, and the mob that was running Wall Street during the uh, Gordon Gecko era. But you also have a very sophisticated understanding of national security and clearances. What you did... Uh, the team did from, I guess, basically from July until it was released in, in October with the New York Post and then subsequently in War Room and others. It was nothing short of heroic. And the nation, I think in, in a storied career that you've had, this will go down 
as one of the most important things you've ever done. Because you went out on a limb and you were able to analyze this quickly. People don't realize the level of work and detail that you put in just for the American people, not for Donald Trump, but to make sure the American people know exactly what's and this is and we have people and this is not a rogue FBI anymore. These are not rogue this is not rogue agents. This is how they operate. Yeah, this is the upper level. This is basically uh, the Washington main office. Of the, I would describe this as the Washington main office of the FBI. You know how companies have a main office and then they have 50 sub offices? The main office is completely corrupt. Might extend to the Washington office because it's so close. I will tell you, it does not extend to the New York it's office. To understand, the FBI actually took possession, had possession of these of essentially the same documentation, the same in December of 2019. This was not a week later. This was not two weeks later. This was almost nine months later. They actively conspired to suppress this information. And now we know that they went to the Senate. What Grassley and Johnson are saying, they actually went over to the Senate and briefed senators on a in a briefing in August and lied, bald face lied. Yeah, and then and then participated in a very, very uh, amateurish but still successful because they own the press, attempt to make it Russian disinformation and accuse us of being Russian agents and accuse Senator Johnson and Senator Grassley of being Russian agents uh, based on indicia, indicia. Mason is amateurish, but the people they're dealing with are amateurs too. Zuckerberg is totally naive. They, remember, they approached Zuckerberg. So although it was ambush, they talked Twitter and Facebook suppressed the New York Post story. The reason the New York Post story didn't get as much coverage is that they basically kicked them off Twitter, I think, immediately, and they suppressed it on Facebook. Yeah, extraordinary. The oldest newspaper in America. Figure. This is going to be a scandal figure the board date. This is the... What you're seeing in Mar-a-Lago today is a offshoot. Yes. Of, this, is, this is a fruit of the poison tree, and the poison tree goes all the way back to, you know, your investigations in Ukraine and all the investigation of this goes back to Durham, goes back to Crossfire Hurricane. This is all of a piece, right? It's just different aspects. Yes, yes, this is Act 3, this is Act 4 or 5. It's going to be one of the greatest scandals in American history. I call this, I call this Act 4. You know, Act 4 of the uh, framing of Donald Trump. Uh, it, it, begin, it begins with Hillary putting up the million dollars to create the phony Russian collusion. It continues with, uh, with the completely phony uh, rendition of the conversation with Zelensky, uh, totally uh, uh, trying to suppress the hard drive, fixing the election, and now this, uh, pretending or trying to make J6 into a, a, uh, an insurrection, the only insurrection where no one carried a gun except the gun that was used to kill Ashley Babbitt that they ignore completely. I mean, and it's all the same people. It's the same. I, what I don't understand, Steve, is how the American people, the ones that continue to remain to believe it, it's the same group of liars. And then it's the same group of people telling the truth. We keep getting vindicated. We keep getting vindicated with the same people who get vindicated all the time. I think they're, I think they're getting more desperate. And this is why I'm glad uh, to, to the audience. I'm glad I'm doing the podcast today because I was going to call you anyway for your sage advice. Rudy, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't pretend to be one. And I'm certainly not a, 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 a criminal prosecutor or a criminal defense lawyer. 
But when I saw that today, that affidavit today, understanding how the FBI has lied consistently or withheld information from judges on the, on the FISA warrants, how Garland had the gall oh. and the FBI had the gall to redact that and put it out to the American people. It's an insult to people's intelligence. And what I'm curious about is how we're playing this whole charade now. They send this document. No, look, you're a prosecutor. Maybe you see more there than I do. But as <laughs> no, no. God, I, I, I see. I'm saying the whole thing's redacted. You don't get you, you know what I'm doing, Steve, while you're talking to me because I'm playing and I'll have him put it up on the screen. I'm just flipping on a computer through it to show people that there are more things redacted than left in it. It's, when you do that, it's an insult to give it as out. As a prosecutor, what, tell me. I wouldn't have given this out as a prosecutor. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been embarrassed giving out a a document that's more redacted than it has text. Look at this page after all the key pages are redacted. There's no reason why they have, they, they don't give you one of the main things you have to do with a search warrant is justify why you're breaking into a man's home or a woman's home. You, there are many other ways of getting documents, all of which are the ways Americans usually did it. This is what the British troops used to do, barge into your house. So we want you to justify. There's nothing here justifying it uh, or it's crossed out. There'd be no damage to national security to explain. Usually the thing would be there was evidence he was running away with the documents. Or there was evidence he was burning the documents. Or I might, to be cute, I would say there's evidence that he was uh, uh, bleach, uh, uh, bleach whitening his uh, computer, the computers, like Hillary. But there's nothing of that here. They were just, the damn things were just sitting there. They didn't like where they were sitting. And they had already approved where they were sitting, and they had already added extra security. There's not a single stitch of evidence that Trump was going to do anything bad to these things. So in that case, you issue, a, 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 like they did to you and me, you issue a, a subpoena. This was all, I mean. But Rudy, Rudy, they had a, they had a grand jury. They, had a, they came to his house in this? June. He gave it, by the way, after already shipping 15 boxes, which Tom Fitton said they never should have done, because this is a, a, this is a discussion between the National Archives and the Presidential Library, Presidential Records, and there's no enforcement provision. Tom Fitton argues he never should have sent the first 15 boxes. Number two, they had a grand jury. They came to Mar-a-Lago again, and President Trump met them. They, 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 they took some, I think, additional, or made some recommendations, took some additional documents. And President Trump, at the end, my understanding is that he said, hey, if anything else comes up, deal with come to me directly and we'll figure this out. Yeah, typical, typical, typical. I can I, mean, I wasn't involved in this, but you and I can almost uh, hear the conversations in our in our minds here. Right. You know how he is. Got any trouble? Come to me. I'll straighten it out. And he and he would have he's got no he did nothing to these to suggest that he wanted to hide them. He didn't put them in a strange place. He didn't cross them out. He didn't tear them up. Right. He let them come and take the first 15 without going to court and battling it. He let them come and look at them again and go through them and say they were satisfied with the security, except could you please put another lock on? And then when they put a lock on, they took a picture of it and sent it back. And the agent said, great. So, I mean, I've been over this with uh, Alina and with uh, Christina Bob. And how about what they did to them? First of all, they asked if they could accompany the agents. Normally, in a case like this, the agent says yes. 
After all, you're in control of the person. They can't do anything. And all you're going to do over an hour, and they did not, nine hours, is you're going to get information out of them. They're going to start talking. I mean, I, I fire these guys for not doing that. Why didn't they want them along? And why didn't they want it photographed? Nowadays, the police want everything photographed. This is the only police action in America in the last two years that hasn't been photographed. They didn't want it photographed, and they didn't want these two lawyers along, one of whom is the Marine, and they can't trust her. Finally, Steve, I'm going to give you the one that makes this whole thing completely... Marie, last thing, last thing, though. When they're in there, supposedly in the affidavit for, which we can't see it's redacted, to do this presidential records, whatever this nonsense is, they take his passports. The president of the United States has a diplomatic passport that's active, and the FBI agent took it, and you know that guy had to call the, the home office. We need to get to the chain of command of who authorized that passport to be taken. This is an outrage, and the American people should be outraged. Yeah, it's a very good point, Steve. Ransacking. This was ran, This is like the Visigoths ransacking Rome. Well, it's like it. It's like the general warrants that the British used in 1720 and 1730 and 1740 that led to the Fourth Amendment in the first place. The idea of the Fourth Amendment is you can't do a gen- you can't get a search warrant saying I want to search all of Steve Bannon's home or all of Rudy Giuliani's home. You got to have a specific thing or things you're looking for: the evidence of his money laundering, his bank accounts, or in my case, they wanted my electronics. They didn't take my notes. I will say that they didn't take my passport. They took electronics. Of course, as the joke is, they didn't take Hunter Biden's hard drive. They didn't only take my electronics, they took colleagues' electronics to determine if they were colleagues. But they stuck to the four corners of the affidavit, and it took three hours. This took nine hours. And they took things that had nothing to do with the affidavit. And the reason it's phony as hell is, this thing was so important, the magistrate gave him 11 days to do it. Can you imagine my going into court saying, I got to execute a warrant on Tony Salerno? in order to get the implements of the murders that he did. And the magistrate said, how much time do you want? Eh, give me a couple of weeks. The magistrate would say, I'm not going to give it to you at all because this isn't important to you, pal. This is an extraordinary. Breaking into someone's home in America is an extraordinary thing. We don't break into people's homes. That's why we have a Fourth Amendment. That's why we had a revolution, damn it. So the ju- a good judge would say, 11 days? You want to put 11 days here? Get out of here. Come back when you have a real reason. So then he gives them 11 days. Well, just in case it was a mistake, they take three days off. They take three days off. They take the weekend off in Palm Beach. It's a lie. To the, it was so urgent. They had to go down. Garland, you know, says he plays Hamlet for three weeks. They asked for 11 days, and they finally go to the magistrate. They then take three days. There was no urgency. And there's still in any inventory, as you know from the classifications. Nuclear secrets are classified under Q. There's no Q document. There's no listing in any inventory. There was any anything related to nuclear that was labeled Q, which would be the highest. It would be like SCI, right, regarding the nuclear. No, no, absolutely. Nothing, what, nothing what, mentioned what, in this at all. No, not a, if I, you know how they overclassified. This stuff is always overclassified. The president has 100% uh, 
uh, 100% um, ability to declassify what he wants to declassify when he wants to declassify. And there's no other branch of government has any say so on it when the president wants to do it. Has there ever been even the suggestion of criminal investigations of presidents when you deal with things like this? You know, uh, Clinton, Clinton lost a code and uh, other presidents have had these disputes over papers and 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 Bi- Biden has never returned in the archives of presidential life. No, it's normal course of business. No, it's it's administrative. They're using this because they need to somehow charge Trump with a crime. They can't beat him at the polls. Biden's collapsing. The Federal Reserve chairman came out today and just basically confessed this thing is so screwed up that they're going to have to jack interest rates and draw and, and pull back the economy because inflation's out of control because of the direct action of the illegitimate regime of Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not the president of the United States. He's an illegitimate pretender. It's an open secret. Everybody knows it. And what they're trying to do is become a banana republic. And start <laughs> this to is lock why they want Steve Bannon. This is why they're going after you, Steve. <laughs> this is why they're afraid of you. Now, give me some political wisdom. What happened on Tuesday? The liberal press says that the red wave is over. Yeah, this is what happened. It's very <laughs> simple. And those, and those areas that were not carried by MAGA, and by the way, we swept the school boards. This, we swept the school boards in Florida with the uh, Moms for Liberty, the MAGA moms that are coming, right? Great. Just like we swept Texas. In this race in New York State, which is kind of, they, they kept Trump out of it. Anytime the Republican establishment keeps Trump away, the MAGA voters are not going to show up. You got to take the Youngkin situation where MAGA was able to to work, work with the moms and have an overwhelming victory. If if Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell want to keep Trump out of the races, you're not going to win those races. Right now, I, I'm feeling good. I, we, we're going to pick up a minimum of 30 to 40 seats in the House. Good. And I think we could pick up 70. I think we could pick up four or five Senate seats. But... Trump has to be fully engaged. If McCarthy and McConnell think they can do it themselves, they're, 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 and quite frankly, that's why the war room's on the road all the way virtually up to, to November. We may spend a little bit of October back in D.C., but we're on the road from now to Election Day, going throughout Good. the country to rally. Well, any, any, any way I can help you, Steve, you know I'm 100% committed. You are a hero. To everywhere I go, I spent the weekend at the summit uh, of, with Mike Lindell out in uh, Springfield, um, uh, Missouri, and the one question I got, you got to get Rudy back on the show more. I'm telling you, people are saying, "Where's Rudy?" So I, I said, "No, you know, we got we." I mean, I like this this district building his media empire, but we're going to get him back on. <laughs> <Get> him back <laughs> on the- well, you know, this district, this district in New York was a Trump district. I mean, it, if, if you're talking about maybe a heavy Biden district where we're okay, maybe Trump isn't the number one guy, but this this is this is a Trump district. You you bring Trump to that district and uh, he goes there for the. Molinar is part of these things. No, they kept him. They kept him at. They kept him at length. Now, Carl Carl Paladino is a different situation. I think, and I hate to say this, but I think Paladino got terrible advice from the people around him. It was a miserably run campaign. Yes, uh, right. He never really took the fight to people. He never really did the media play he should have done. Carl should have won that nomination, and I think it's there is just complete incompetence. Different man, different man than ran uh, eight years ago. They thought the same guy that ran eight years ago, the firebrand was going to run this year and he stayed home, uh, which uh, you know, always changes an election. This is what the consultants do. 
They want, don't want Trump to come in with the Molinaro race. They don't. They want Trump to stay out of a Trump district, or which should be a Trump district. And MAGA doesn't show up because they get no interest in supporting a, what they think is a rhino. And then when Carl's up there running against a rhino, their whole thing is keep Carl. You know, don't let Carl be Carl. Hey, if he's going to run, he's going to run, and you got to back the guy's play. Carl Palatino should have been everywhere. He should have been the Carl of old. And he would have won going away, got terrible advice, and quite frankly, got picked off by the uh, by the, the very inept a GOP uh, chairman of New York State, which, as you know, I don't think much of the Republican Party in New York State, the official. No, I, I don't either. And, I, you know, I see so many opportunities against Hochul that are being uh, squandered, uh, although, you know, I support Zeldin and uh, I would like to see him win. And I think it's almost critical that he wins. The, the, the fire just isn't there. But, but, uh, but let me say something about the opposition. Uh, Joe Biden went out and gave a speech last night that called MAGA a, ba- a bunch of fascists. He had a private fundraiser in Bethesda with all the fat cat, woke uh, corporatists and hedge fund guys in Washington, D.C., where he said uh, that, you know, the, the MAGA is the worst thing in the world, that fascists are the worst people in the world. And then Hochul comes out and says she wants all of MAGA in New York State, 5.4. She wants them all to move to Florida. As if New York hasn't been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the place would go broke if we all moved. We're the ones paying the taxes, Steve. <laughs> We're the guys paying the taxes. What is she crazy? No, she's not, no, no. She's not crazy. This is what they. <laughs> this is what really. No, this is what they think. They detest MAGA. They detest everything you stand for. So any political consultant that gets in there and says, "No, we don't want Trump to come in here in." Uh, because they're afraid of, of offending a few suburban moms. So the suburban moms are so angry about the schools that, that Trump's not going to be a problem. And so all of these, these are consultant-led defeats. The consultants didn't let Trump into the, to the Molinari race. He didn't embrace yeah. MAGA. He lost. In a Paladino, they said, just go to ground and, uh, and run from your home. And that's just, you're not going to win that way. Let me ask you one last thing, Steve, uh, for, because I know my audience will be interested in this. How about your case? Where does it stand now? That complete atrocity of a of a of a dispute over privilege. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, you know, I've got great lawyers, Rudy, and they're they're filing appeals on constitutional issues about executive privilege, about the attorney-client relationship. You know, the FBI took all Bob Costello's emails. I mean. Look, I'm not a lawyer, and as you know, I never try to pretend to play one. I've got a great legal team. Uh, you know, the, the jury, given the information they had, I respect their opinion. I respect the jury's decision. Given the information they had, I couldn't even put it on a defense. And so, you know, that we're going to file an appeal, I think, on six or seven counts. And, you know, we'll, we'll go with the process. I have great lawyers that are working on it right now, and, you know, it's just part of the process. I, I'll be honest. I don't – I spend – Zero time on that. I've got lawyers to do it. No. I, I am I am focused on two things. Bring down you. the Biden regime and the administrative state with it in the Chinese Communist Party. And that keeps me full up 20 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, your lawyers are doing a good job. And I think people should realize you're, you've got to be one of the first cases I ever heard of where a man wasn't allowed to give a defense. <laughs> you weren't allowed to give. How are you going to win? It's like. The judge, the judge actually said that in the pretrial. He goes, my lawyer says, well, look, you've taken away all our defenses. And the judge goes, that's right. And I think they wanted me to go like, well, no low contendere right then. I said, no, let's just go through the process. But the judge, oh, this is the judge in court said, 
agreed with my lawyer that he took away all the defenses. So I hope they don't we'll do see, this. We'll see how it plays out. I hope they don't do this to the Yankees in the World Series, not let them bat. <laughs> okay. Steve, God bless you. It's always a great honor. And I God tell bless you. you and I, I got to tell you. What you did and put your reputation on the oh, line. You too. Put your sacred honor on the line. Everything you did on the, on the Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop is going to go down in history. In your great career, that's one of the most important things you ever did because people oh, don't nice. realize you took a Thank huge you. risk at that time. That it was your reputation that really got us. You know, it wasn't Costello's, it wasn't Bernie's, it wasn't mine, it wasn't the other members of the team. It was that Rudy Giuliani had gone through this. And I think it shows you that for people who matter and people who really understand how the world works, they they, they totally and completely have a thousand percent respect. When Rudy Giuliani says something, you can take it to the bank and the hard drive, laptop from hell shows that in spades you put your entire reputation on the line and it came out you did it for the country and guess what it was the right thing to do and history is going to show because this is only the first chapter of this this is going to be a massive scandal that's going to be investigated by the house eventually it'll be criminal charges brought i think you're right i think you're absolutely right and that's where we got to get it because we can never happen again and thank you steve you're you're uh, been a, you've been really the leader of this movement and the person who's got the most sensitive and, and, and really most, uh, most, I think, complete understanding of it, which is why it's so necessary that uh, you stay involved 24 hours a day. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. And, congratu- and congratulations. And congratulations on the show, The War Room. Got to be what, like one of the biggest on, on radio and television. Everybody goes to it. God bless you. Well, I think that, of course, is a fascinating interview with one of really the most interesting men of our generation, Steve Bannon. Won a presidency. <laughs> Maybe won it again. We don't know. We're still working on that. And he's probably going to help win another one. Uh, but not just that, he's forged a movement uh, behind uh, Donald Trump <clears throat> that will last beyond Donald Trump, which is enormously important to our country because of the forces of evil that want to take our country away from us. We have now become, I think, fully aware of what the communists have been doing to us since maybe the beginning of the 20th century or along about the beginning of the 20th century. And um, this is the antidote to it. 